Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from a sermon that was once preached by Charles Spurgeon. This message is from a collection of Spurgeon messages created by Perry Boardman, known as Spurgeon Gems. Today's message is from Volume 1. It's number 49. And we were talking yesterday, or last time, about the God of peace. And we we're giving reasons why God is called the God of peace. And the fourth reason, God is the God of peace because he shall perfect and consummate it at last. There's war in the world now. There's an evil spirit walking to and fro, a restless being, eager like a lion, to devour and walking through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. And there are men bewitched by that evil spirit who are at war with God and at war with one another. But there is a time coming. Let's wait a little longer. When there shall be peace on earth and peace throughout all God's dominions. In a few more years, we do look for a lasting and perpetual peace on earth. Perhaps tomorrow Jesus Christ, the Son of God, will come again without a sin offering unto salvation. We know not either the day or the hour wherein the Son of Man shall come, but by and by he shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the noise of a trumpet. He shall come, but not as once he came, a lowly and humble man, but a glorious and exalted monarch. Then he will cause wars to cease. From that day forth and forever... They will hang the useless helm on high and study war no more. The lion shall lie down with the kid and eat straw like the ox. The cockatrice and the serpent shall lose their hurtful powers. The weaned child shall lead the lion and the leopard, each one by his beard with his little hands. The day is coming, and that speedily, when there shall not be found on earth a single man who hates his brother, but when each one shall find in every other a brother and a friend. And we shall be able to say, as the old poet did, but in a larger sense, I know not that there is one Englishman alive with whom I am one jot at odds more than the infant that is born tonight. And we shall all be united. Nationalities will be leveled because made into one, and the Lord Jesus Christ shall be king of the entire earth. After that time shall come the consummation of peace, when the last great day shall have passed away, and the righteous have been severed from the wicked, when the monster battle of Armageddon shall have been fought and won, when all the righteous shall have been gathered into heaven, and the lost sent down to hell. Where will be the room for battle then? Look at the foeman, bruised and mangled in the pit, perpetually howling the victims of God's vengeance. There is no fear of war from them. There is Satan himself, crestfallen, bruised, battered, slain. His head is broken. There he lies despoiled, a king without his crown. There can be no fear of war from him. And mark the angels who were once under his supremacy. Can they arise? No. They writhe in tortures and bite their iron bands in misery. They have no power to lift a lance against the God of heaven. And look on sinful man, condemned for his sin to dwell with those fallen beings. Can he again provoke his maker? Will he again blaspheme? Can he oppose the gospel? No. Immured in dungeons of hot iron, there he is, an abject 
ruined spirit. Ten thousand times ten thousand lost and perished sinners are there, but could all unite in solemn league and covenant to break the bands of death and sever the laws of justice? He that sits in the heavens would laugh at them. The Lord would have them in derision. Peace is consummated because the enemy is crushed. And then look up yonder. There is no fear of war from those bright spirits. The angels cannot fall now. Their period of probation is past forever. A second Satan shall never drag with him a third part of the stars of heaven. No angel will totter any more, and the ransomed spirits, blood-bought and washed in the fountain of Jesus' blood, will never fall again. Universal peace is come. The olive branch has outlived the laurel. The sword is sheathed. The banners are furled. The stains of blood are washed out of the world. Again it moves in its orb and sings like its sister stars. But the one song is peace. For the God who made it is the God of peace. Well, now we come to the benediction. The God of peace be with you all. I am not about to address you concerning that inward peace which rests in the heart. I am sure I wish above all things that you may always enjoy a peace with your conscience and be at peace with God. May you always know that you have the blood of Jesus to plead, that you have his righteousness to cover you, that you have his atonement to satisfy for you, and that there is nothing which can hurt you. But I wish to address you as a church, and exhort you as a church to peace. First, I will remind you that there is great need to pray this prayer for you all because there are enemies to peace always lurking in all societies. Petrarch says there are five great enemies to peace, avarice, ambition, envy, anger, and pride. I shall alter them a little, but I'll use the same number. Instead of avarice, I shall commence with error. One of the greatest means of destroying peace is error. Error in doctrine leads to the most lamentable consequences with regard to the peace of the church. I have noticed that the greatest fallings out have been among those who are most erroneous in doctrine. Though I admit that some called Calvinists are the most quarrelsome set breathing, this is the reason. While they have the main part of the truth, many of them are leaving out something important, and therefore God chastises them because they are some of his best children. It may be a sign of life that there are so many people eager after truth that they kill one another in order to get it, but I wish they would leave off their quarreling, for it is a disgrace to our religion. If they had more peace, I might hope better for the progress of truth." Everyone says to me, look there at your brethren. I never saw such a set of cutthroats in my life. I never saw a church where they have the gospel, where they are not always falling out. Well, that is near the truth, and I am ashamed to confess it. I pray God, however, to send a little more peace where he has sent the gospel. There are, however, strifes among our opponents which we do not see. The bishop uses his strong hand, and the people dare not disagree. The pastor has such power and authority in some places that the crush of his mailed hand is sufficient to put down everything. 
because there is no freedom. Now, I would rather have a row in the church than have all the members asleep. I would rather have them falling to errors than sitting down in indifference. You never expect dead churches to have strife. But where there is a little life, if there is error, it always begets strife. What is the most litigious denomination now existing? No one would have a difficulty in pointing to our excellent friends, the Wesleyans. For just at this moment they are quarreling and finding fault with one another, splitting up into numberless sections and making reformed churches and so on. What's the cause of it? Because they're in the wrong track altogether with regard to church government and with regard to some other things. John Wesley was a good man at making churches, I dare say, but he did not understand what the church ought to be in these days. He might do for a hundred years ago, but he bound his poor followers too tightly, and now they're trying to break out into freedom and liberty. If they had been right at first, they might have gone on, and a thousand years would not have spoiled their system. It would have done now as well as then. Error is the root of bitterness in the church. Give us sound doctrine, sound practice, sound church government, and you will find that the God of peace will be with us. My brethren, Seek to uproot error out of your own hearts. If one of you does not really believe the great cardinal doctrines of the gospel, I beseech you then for the good of the church to leave it, for we want those who love the truth. The next enemy to peace is ambition. Diotrephes loveth to have the preeminence, and that fellow has spoiled many a happy church. A man does not want perhaps to be preeminent, but he is afraid that another would be, and so he would have him put down. And thus brethren are finding fault. They are afraid that such a one will go too fast, and that another will go too fast. The best way is to try to go as fast as he does. It is of no use finding fault, because some may have a little preeminence. After all, what is the preeminence? It is the preeminence of one little animacule over another. Look in a drop of water. One of those little fellows is five times as big as another, but we never think of that. I dare say he is very large and thinks I have the preeminence inside my drop, but he does not think the people of Park Street ever talk about him. So we live in this little drop of the world, not much bigger in God's esteem than a drop in the bucket, and one of us seems a little larger than the other a worm a little above his fellow worm. But oh, how big we get. And we want to get a little bigger, to, uh, to get a little more prominent. But what is the use of it? For when we get ever so big, we shall then be so small that an angel would not find us if God did not tell him where we were. Whoever heard up in heaven anything about emperors and kings? Small, tiny insects. God can see the animalcule. Therefore, he can see us. But if he had not an eye to see the lost minute, he would never discover us. Oh, may we never get ambition in this church. The best ambition is who shall be the servant of all. The strangers seek to have dominion, but children seek to let the Father have dominion, and the Father only. The next enemy to peace is anger. There are some individuals in the world that cannot help getting angry very quickly. 
they grow on a sudden very wrathful, while others who are not passionate, who take a longer time to be angry, are fearful enough when they do speak. Others who dare not speak at all are still worse, for they get to brewing their anger, nursing their wrath to keep it warm. They go into a sulky fit, disagreeing with everybody, eternally grumbling. They're like dogs in the flock, only barking and yielding no fleece. Oh, that nasty anger. If it gets into the church, it will split it to pieces. Somehow or other, we cannot help getting angry sometimes. Oh, that we could come into the church and leave ourselves behind us. There's nobody I should like to run away from half so much as from myself. Try, beloved, to curb your tempers, and when you do not exactly see with another brother, uh, do not think it necessary to knock him in the eyes to make him see. That's the worst thing in all the world to do. He will not see any the better for it, for, as it says, the man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And then envy is another fearful evil. One minister, perhaps, is envious of another, because one church is full and the other not. How can teachers agree in the Sunday school if there is any envy there? How can church members agree if envy creeps in? One member thinks another is thought more highly of than he deserves. Why, beloved, you are all too much thought of. But after all, it does not matter what you are thought of by man. It only matters what God thinks of you. And God thinks as much of little faith as of great heart. He thinks as much of Mrs. Despondency as of Christiana herself. Drive then that green-eyed monster away. Keep him at a distance. Again, there is pride, which gives rise to ill feeling and bad blood. Instead of being affable to one another and condescending to men of low estate, we want that every punctilio of respect should be given to us, that we should be made lords and masters. That, I am sure, can never exist in a peaceable church. Here, then, are our five great enemies. I would that I could see the execution of them all, banish them, transport them forever, send them away amongst lions and tigers. We don't want any of them amongst us. But, though I thus speak, it is not because I conceive that any of these have thoroughly crept in amongst you, but because I would have kept them away. I am most jealous in this matter. I am always afraid of the slightest contention, and I desire the God of peace to be ever with us. Now let me briefly show you the appropriateness of this prayer. We indeed ought to have peace amongst ourselves. Joseph said to his brethren when they were going back to his father's house, See that you fall not out by the way. Well, there was something extremely beautiful in that exhortation. See that ye fall not out by the way. You have all one father. You are of one family. Let men of two nations disagree, but you are of the seed of Israel. You are of one tribe and nation. Your home is in one heaven. See that you fall not out by the way. Oh, the way is rough. There are enemies to stop you. See that if you fall out when you go home, you do not fall out by the way. Keep together. Stand by one another. 
defend each other's character, manifest continual affection, for recollect you will need it all. The world hates you because you are not of the world. Oh, you must take care that you love one another. You are all going to the same house. You may disagree here and not speak to one another and be almost ashamed to sit at the same table, even at the sacrament, but you will all have to sit together in heaven. Therefore, do not fall out by the way. Consider again the great mercies you have all shared together. You are all pardoned. You are all accepted, elected, justified, sanctified, adopted. See that you fall not out when you have so many mercies, when God has given you so much. Joseph has filled your sacks, but if he has put some extra thing into Benjamin's sack, don't quarrel with Benjamin about that, but rather rejoice because your sacks are full. You've all got enough. You're all secure. You've all been dismissed with a blessing, and therefore I say once more, see that you fall not out by the way. And now, dear brethren, is there anything I can plead with you this morning in order that you may always dwell in peace and love? God has happily commenced a blessed revival amongst us, and under our means, by the help of God, that revival will spread through the entire kingdom. We have seen that the word of the Lord is quick and powerful. We know that there is nothing that can stop the progress of his kingdom, and there is nothing that can impede your success as a church except this. Now, if the unhappy day should arrive, and let the day be accursed if it does come, when you amongst yourselves should disagree, there would be a stop to the building of the Lord's house at once, when those who carry the trowel and bear the spears do not stand side by side, then the work of God must tarry. It is sad to think how much our glorious cause has been impeded by the different fallings out amongst the disciples of the Lamb. We have loved one another, brethren, up till now, with a true heart and fervently, and I am not afraid but what we shall always do so. At the same time, I am jealous over you, lest there should come in by any possibility any root of bitterness to trouble you. Let us this morning throw around you the bands of a man. Let us unite together with a threefold cord that cannot be broken. Let us entreat you to love one another. Let us entreat you by your one Lord, one faith, one baptism to continue as one. Let us beg of you by our great success to let our unity be commensurate therewith. Remember how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The devil wants you to disagree, and nothing will please him better than for you to fall at ears among yourselves. The Moabites and Ammonites cut down one another. Don't let us do that. It is uh, those should in strictest concord dwell who the same God obey. It is continual bickering and jealousy that has brought disgrace upon the holy name of Christ. He has been wounded in the house of his friends. The arrows we have shot at one another have hurt us more than all that ever came from the bow of the devil, from his bow. We have done more injury to the escutcheon of Christ 
by our contentions than Satan has ever been able to do. I beseech you, brethren, love one another. I know not how I could endure anything like discord among you. Now I can bear the scoff of the world and the laughter of the infidel. Methinks I could bear martyrdom, but I could not bear to see you divided. I beseech my God and Master to suffer me first to wear my shroud before I ever wear a garment of heaviness on account of your divisions. While I feel that I have your love and affection, and that you are bound to one another, I care not for the devils in hell nor for men on earth. We have been, and we shall be, omnipotent through God, and by faith we will stand firm to one another and to his truth. Let each one resolve within himself. If there is strife, I will have nothing to do with it. The beginning of strife is like the letting out of water, and I will not turn the tap. If you will take care not to let the first drop in, I will be surety about the second. Brethren, again I say for the gospel's sake, for truth's sake, that we may laugh at our enemies and rejoice with unspeakable joy. Let us love one another. Though I may not have preached to the worldly this morning, I have been asking you to preach to them. For when you love one another, that is a beautiful sermon to them. There is no sermon like what you can see with your own eyes. I went to the orphan house last Wednesday on Ashley Down near Bristol. I saw that wonder of faith. I had some conversation with that heavenly-minded man, Mr. Mueller. I never heard such a sermon in my life as I saw there. They asked me to speak to the girls, but I said, I could not speak a word for the life of me. I had been crying all the while to think how God had heard this dear man's prayer and how all those three hundred children had been fed by my father through the prayer of faith. Whatever is wanted comes without annual subscriptions, without asking anything, simply from the hand of God. When I found that it was all correct, what I had heard, I was like the Queen of Sheba and I I had no heart left in me. I could only stand and look at those children and think, did my heavenly Father feed them, and would he not feed me and all his family? Speak to them? (laughs) They had spoken to me quite enough, though they had not said a word. Speak to them? I thought myself ten thousand fools that I did not believe God better. Here am I. I cannot trust him day by day, but this good man can trust him for three hundred children. When he has not a sixpence in hand, he never fears. I know God, he might say, too well to doubt him. I tell my God, you know what I need today to keep these children, and I have not anything. My faith never wavers, and my supply always comes. Simply by asking of God in this way, he has raised, I believe, 17,000 pounds towards the erection of a new orphan house. When I consider that, I I sometimes think we will try the power of faith here and see if we should not get sufficient funds whereby to erect a place to hold the people that crowd to hear the word of God. Then we may have a tabernacle of faith as well as an orphan house of faith. God send us that, and to him shall be all the glory. Amen. I have to add here that this was not spoken in the Metropolitan Tabernacle. 
but was at the new Park Street Chapel in Southwark before they got the tabernacle. And that's why he's praying that prayer at the end. Well, so glad to have you and do look around the site for other blessings. There are so many. We have hundreds of Spurgeon sermons. I have um, the whole history of North Korea and the situation that's going on there and the persecution. And if you just look at some of those, they're just a few minutes each. You will just look at them and pray. And Well, there's a whole lot of other things I won't go into today, but do, do be blessed by what's been put on this site over these years. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun, and Lord willing, uh, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.